Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of John. Today is episode 142. We're looking at John chapter 11, verses 45 through 57. These are the events following the raising of Lazarus from the dead. We just ended the last time with Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. He came out wrapped in the linen cloths for burial. And Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. So let's pick it up now. John 11, verses 45 through 57. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and Pharisees convened the Sanhedrin and were saying, What are we going to do since this man is doing many signs? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. One of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. You are not considering that it is to your advantage that one man should die for the people rather than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, and not for the nation only but also to unite the scattered children of God. So from that day on, they plotted to kill him. Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but departed from there to the countryside near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and he stayed there with the disciples. Now the Jewish Passover was near, and many went up to Jerusalem from the country to purify themselves before the Passover. They were looking for Jesus and asking one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? He won't come to the festival, will he? The chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it so that they could arrest him. Jesus is no stranger to the people in Jerusalem. He's already done several things and gained some notoriety. But here he has raised Lazarus from the dead. This is a pretty amazing thing. So verse 45, uh, the reaction to the raising of Lazarus, says, Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. Since they came to Mary, it seemed to be Mary was the one, the focus of attention with the mourners, the people who were there to to cry. Mary was the one doing the majority of the mourning, so they were there to help Mary mourn. And many of them, these people were here gathered around Mary, and specific many of them, believed in Jesus based on what he had done. When he arrived, it seemed the majority of people already believed that Jesus was a miracle worker, that Jesus was a man of God, that Jesus could have cured Lazarus and kept him from dying had he been there. But now that he's actually called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised Lazarus from the dead, this took what they believed to a whole new level. This isn't just a miracle worker. This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. So now people actually are believing in him. But verse 46, some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Now it doesn't say they did this out of malice. It kind of implies that that they went specifically to the Pharisees to rat him out. Uh, Maybe they went to the Pharisees just to tell them what was going on. But the fact that it's, it's contrasting with those who believed. Some believed others ran to the Pharisees. So the implication is that the people who went to the Pharisees, they were ones who didn't believe in him. And they told the Pharisees what Jesus had done. So, verse 47, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened the Sanhedrin. 
and we're saying, what are we going to do since this man is doing many signs? So they actually convene the Sanhedrin, the ruling council, the 70 elders who are the religious rulers of the nation, the highest level of government short of the Roman government in Israel. And the question, what are we going to do since this man is doing many signs? And the tense of the verb is continuing to do many signs. So what are we going to do? Well, if I were there, I would suggest maybe you should believe in him too. That this is the evidence that what he's saying is true. Trouble is, they had already made up their minds about him. They had already decided this guy is trouble. This guy breaks the law. This guy doesn't follow the rules. This guy violates the rules of the Sabbath. This guy calls God his personal father. And so rather than consider that the things he's saying might actually be true, and he might actually be who he says he is, they say, no, we, we've got to do something about this because this is getting out of hand. So the miracles he's doing, they're not a reason that they should believe in him, but they are concerned that Others might believe in him. So verse 48 says, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. The problem is, we are much too sophisticated to fall for this kind of stuff. But the common people, they're going to see things like giving sight to a blind man, healing a lame man, raising someone from the dead. They're going to think there's something big deal about that. And they're liable to believe in him. And the exaggeration, everyone will believe in him. And the concern there is, if people are believing that Jesus is the Messiah, well, the common expectations for the Messiah is he's going to fix things. And he's going to restore Israel to its glory days. And he's going to drive the Romans out of town. So any kind of messianic uprising is liable to lead into some kind of political revolt, and the Romans aren't going to stand by for that. The Romans let things pretty much go as long as taxes are paid and the peace is kept. Some kind of messianic uprising, that's going to threaten the peace, and the Roman army is going to come in and squash it like a bug. And that's their concern. Take away our place and our nation. Our place may refer to the temple, or it may refer to their, their place in society that uh, they'll just liable to be common people like everyone else. Verse 49, one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. One of the concerns about this is uh, high priest was a lifetime appointment. Now, sometimes the Roman government would install a new high priest if the old high priest was not toe in the line. They would step in and say, you're fired as high priest. And this person is now the high priest. But Caiaphas ruled as high priest for several years. And so it wasn't a, an annual appointment. So the concern, he says, was high priest that year. I think a, a good way to understand this is John is making reference to the year. If he you know, added a word and said that fateful year, you know, the year that Jesus died. Well, Caiaphas was high priest that year. The, the year that Jesus paid the penalty of sin on the cross, that year, Caiaphas was high priest. So it's not so much the, the focus on he was only 
high priest for a year, but that that year, that important year, Caiaphas was the high priest. So Caiaphas says, you guys don't know nothing. You're not considering that it is to your advantage that one man should die for the people rather than the whole nation perish. Now, notice he doesn't say because he's guilty. The implication is, even if he's innocent, better to one person die than for the Romans to destroy the entire nation. Verse 51, he did not say this on his own, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to unite the scattered children of God. So John's putting a significance on here that what he's saying is true. And John's suggesting that it was actually a divine inspiration that he should say this. That, yes, Jesus will die for the nation. And not because he's guilty. And Caiaphas didn't say because he was guilty. It just says it's for the good of the people that Jesus should die. And that is true. And not only for the nation, but to unite the scattered children of God. Now, from the Jewish perspective, it's the scattered Jews. Jews that are scattered throughout the world. But to step back from John's perspective, it's everyone who is a child of God. Verse 53, so from that day on, they plotted to kill him. Now, we've seen plots to kill him, conspiracies to kill him, but it seemed to be more associated with the Pharisees. And it was more like just a group of people saying, we've really got to get rid of this guy. This guy is a real problem and we need to get rid of him. This seems to be more an official decision of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council. We have ruled this man must die. In verse 54, Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but departed from there to the countryside near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. He stayed there with the disciples. Ephraim is about 15 miles from Jerusalem. At least that's the best thinking. Don't really know exactly where it is, but it's uh, mentioned in reference to some other things. So it's, it's probably 15 miles away. Now, 15 miles isn't far from our perspective, but when you got to walk there, it, it is a ways away. So it's far enough away that he's not in danger of being arrested by someone, but he's close enough that he can get to Jerusalem actually pretty quickly, which comes up in verse 55. Now the Jewish Passover was near. And many went up to Jerusalem from the country to purify themselves before the Passover. Now we know in retrospect, the Passover, that's, that's when Jesus is going to die. So we're approaching the point where Jesus will die. We, uh, we had the episode with Lazarus being sick and dying. And prior to that, we had seen the festival of dedication, Hanukkah, which occurs in December. Passover will be roughly, you know, late of March, uh, sometime into April. And this is where we are now. So the Passover is approaching. Verse 56, they were looking for Jesus and asking one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think? He won't come to the festival, will he? He dare not. You know, if he knows that if he comes to the festival, he's going to be arrested and the reason being, verse 57, the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it so that they could arrest him. Before they had sent the temple guards to go arrest Jesus, and they didn't because the temple guards heard him teaching. 
saw him healing and they came back and said, we didn't arrest him because we've never heard anybody speak like this guy before. But now the word's out to everyone. If you know where Jesus is, you better tell us because we're going to arrest him. And the implication is, if you don't, you're an accessory to this and you could be charged with a crime yourself. So not reporting Jesus to the officials would be a criminal act. So this is the time. All before, people have tried to lay hands on him. People have tried to stone him. People have tried to arrest him. There's been plots to kill him. But none of them have worked because it wasn't his time. But now we're approaching his time, rapidly approaching the cross. So as we finish up chapter 11, we'll start into chapter 12 next time. So join me then, and we'll see you then.